Yo guys, welcome back to another episode. Anyway, you may have noticed that I have refreshed every single episode and they are no longer available on any of our podcast apps. I'm doing this just because I think it needs a fresh start. Anyway, let's get right into it. This is... This is the Creepypasta Podcast. First up, we have The Maze House, narrated by The Lazy Masquerade. Growing up as a kid in small town Maine, I always had to walk past this creepy old house on my way back from school. It used to give me the willies. It looked half dilapidated, and the windows were always so dusty you could never see inside. The lights were always off and I never got the impression that anyone actually lived there. It was like the quintessential haunted house that you see in a cheesy horror movie. Twice a day, five times a week, I speedwalked past that old house. It just had this horrible aura about it. Bad mojo, no bueno. It was summer at the time this happened. I forget how old I was, maybe 12 or 13. School had just finished, and I was walking back to my place by myself. I inevitably get to the old house, and for the first time ever, I saw somebody exiting the property. A man who looked to be in his mid-seventies, dressed completely in black, like he was heading to a funeral or something. He had slicked back, medium-length white hair, wrinkles as deep as the Grand Canyon all over his face. He was in the process of walking out the front gate, when he stopped me. Afternoon, young man. Good afternoon, sir. Out for a stroll by yourself, huh? Uh, just heading home, sir. Heading back to your house, is that right? Your parents are expecting you, I suppose. An awkward pause followed as he just stared at me. Your house doesn't look anything like that, does it? He motioned to the old, rotten house behind him. Oh, no sir, not as, uh, old. Do you live here? The old man laughed, seemingly to himself, exposing his brown, crooked teeth. That smile stayed on his face for the rest of our conversation. Not quite, though I've been here many, many years now. Weird, I thought. What kind of answer was that? So what, you're like the gardener or something? The man cackled again. I like you, son. So I'm going to tell you something I wish somebody told me a long time ago. Never go inside that house. No matter what. Why? I asked. That's the maze house. It's a labyrinth. What's that mean? It means if you go in, you almost certainly end up getting lost. It's much bigger on the inside with hundreds of floors, thousands of rooms, and hallways that go on for miles. Some people never find their way back out of it again. Hell, I wandered in as a young man, only just found my way out now. Decades 
I had been lost in there. All my little friends I was with didn't make it. Lost them years ago. They're still in there, somewhere. But I kept going. He took a deep breath of the fresh air. It's good to finally see another person again. I figured the old man was just going a little cuckoo. Obviously, I was a little too old at this point to believe such nonsense, but I remained polite and nodded along to the old man's story. So, you'll stay away, right? Promise me that. I'd hate to think what might happen to you in there. Yeah, of course, mister. There's a good boy. And with that, the old man hobbled on down the road to who knows where, still laughing to himself as he went. I made my way home and told my parents about the old geezer and his story, told them about the so-called maze house. Sounds like a nut job, they said. Make sure to stay away from him. The years rolled by, and in time, I forgot about the old man and his wild tale. It wasn't until they started demolishing that house that I remembered the encounter and remembered what he had told me. It gave me a good laugh. A good laugh, that is, until the news came out. While taking down the old house, one of the demolition men found something in amongst the ruins. The top of a human skull, nestled in the debris. Phone calls were made, and the authorities came to check the discovery. Unfortunately, that wasn't all they found. In total, the skeletal remains of three children were found in the house's foundation. When I heard this, my thoughts turned to the old man I met years ago. Did he know something about those bones? Worse yet, was he the one who put them there? Had he concocted some story about a maze-like house as some kind of sick joke, or even a clue about his crimes? I asked my parents if they remembered me telling them about the old man, if they remembered who he was. They were completely confused, and didn't recall me telling them any such story. Nor did they recall any old man who had lived in that house. As far as they knew, it had been abandoned since we moved to the area. And they were right. There was no record of anyone living in the so-called maze house for decades. It really was abandoned. As far as I know, nobody in my town remembers that old man. None of the local newspapers reported about him. The identities of the three skeletons remain unknown, though experts believe they had been in the foundation since at least the 50s, maybe even the 40s. Nothing more has ever come of the case. No leads at all. Nothing. In fact, it's hardly been reported on at all, seeing as everyone assumes these bodies have been there for years and years and years. This has perplexed me for the longest time. Why can't anyone track him down? Why does nobody else remember seeing him around town? Had he somehow been living in that house without anyone ever realizing it? Hell, did I make the whole encounter up in my head? Or maybe, was there really something paranormal about that house? Whatever the case, I'm just glad he told me to stay away and didn't invite me in. Next up, we have a story from Retail. 
No, it isn't one of those funny stories you see on Reddit. This one will make you shiver. It's Unit 522 with creepy stories from retail. In 2003, I was a senior in college. I had the opportunity to travel to Chicago to work at an international trade show for my family business. Trade shows are all about getting new customers, and this particular show brings in tens of thousands of potential customers from every corner of the world who may be needing some industrial equipment, conveyors, case erectors, robots, etc. When I'm working at one of these things, I have to be outgoing, perky and friendly. So when anyone would walk by, I would attempt to engage them in conversation because conversations turn into leads and leads turn into sales. Except when the only thing the guy wants to buy is a bride. It was the second day of the show and my dad and the other salesmen were off getting lunch when a very short, unattractive man in his mid-sixties stops by our booth. I engage him and we discuss his industry, pharmaceuticals. I scanned his badge and then he didn't leave. Instead, he started complimenting me. And me being 19 and working my first show, I didn't quite know what my boundaries were yet. I took the compliments as gracefully as I could and tried to direct him down a more business-related topic. It didn't work. He started obviously leering and telling me how well off he was and how I would make a great wife. But after about 15 minutes and other customers coming up, he picked up one of my dad's business cards and left. I thought that was that. I laughed about this later with one of the guys across the aisle and even with my dad until that night. When my dad's cell phone started ringing and the call was for me. My Prince Charming had called every hotel associated with the show until he found where we were staying and was waiting outside the hotel in a limo. He explained that he wanted to take me to dinner so that he could talk to me about taking me back to Jordan with him and becoming his wife. Me still being stupidly concerned about alienating a future customer, I told him that I had dinner plans and that I couldn't meet with him. He said, Fine. Tomorrow then. We argued back and forth about it for a minute, and I eventually told him something along the lines of, No, that wouldn't be appropriate. I have dinner plans with vendors all week. Then I hung up, and Dad ignored a few missed calls from him. I was mercilessly teased about my Jordanian husband at dinner. However, when the guy showed up at the booth again the next day with an entourage and tried to negotiate an honest-to-god marriage contract with my dad, it wasn't quite as funny. I'm not sure what exactly my dad said to him, but we didn't sell any conveyors to the creepy pharmaceutical plant owner from Jordan and I still get nervous about seeing him at shows. Next up is Darkness Prevails with creepy stories from the graveyard.
I'm 13 years old and I live in Austin, Texas. The neighborhood I live in is a safe environment, or so I thought. This happened over spring break and I'll never forget it. I was staying with my best friend for the week, seeing as her parents were out of town. She didn't really want to be alone at the time. Let's call her Zoe. The first night was a normal night, although we didn't like what happened the next night because we were sitting in her room that night just starving to death. We decided to look for food in the house, but we couldn't find anything. So we decided to go out and get some food for ourselves. I grabbed my money and she grabbed hers. We opened the creaky door and walked out. As we got onto the sidewalk onto the main road, I had this uneasy feeling in my stomach. It was like someone was watching us from afar. I told her we should walk a little faster. She must have felt the same way because she agreed without a word. So we sped up and finally reached the store. Being a couple of teenagers, we bought the most delicious junk food we could find and then we left. Zoe was so hungry that she wanted to eat something on the way back, so she was digging around in the plastic bag and I think we all know how noisy those things can be. But that's when I suddenly heard the sound of a branch snapping and then subsequently it fell. I was surprised and I turned to where the noise was. Now on this road back to her house, there was a graveyard there just across the way. It was creepy to behold and just at the edge of the fence that surrounded it stood a tall, dead tree. The same kind of snap came again and as I was looking in that direction, I saw a small twig fall from one of the branches. So of course I looked up expecting to see a bird or possum, some sort of creature of the night, but I was staring straight at what looked like an older woman, a woman in a tree. Her hair was matted and crusty and her eyes were black. It took me a moment to realize I was looking at empty sockets, not eyes. Her body appeared to be covered in third degree burns. The lady had this wide grin and she was deathly still I honestly thought it was some sort of Halloween decoration, long forgotten in the tree just behind the graveyard fence. But then she, or it, began to move, and then it let out this horrific, inhuman scream. I stared in horror, and I had no idea that we were screaming too until this creature's scream finally quieted down. I grabbed Zoe's hand and I ran but I could hear the pitter-patter of the woman's footsteps following us. The steps sounded light, but they had this telltale tapping that must have been her nails clattering on the road. It sent chills down my spine. Luckily, I don't live far from Zoe, and my house was just around the corner. My parents always left a hidden key just outside. I snatched it up and opened the door, slamming it shut after Zoe ran in. Only a few seconds later, we heard clawing at the door. I made a split-second decision, fearing for our lives. I ran upstairs to get the extra handgun my mom had. She would kill me if she knew that I handled it. She always taught me to stay away from guns, to think that any and every gun is loaded, even if it's not. But that night, I thought it was either us or this thing. Frantically, I tried to find bullets to it, which were hidden away in a separate cabinet, I heard Zoe scream from downstairs and I panicked even more. I managed to load a few rounds into it and I stumbled back downstairs, 
Zoe was crying and I don't blame her because I was out of breath and crying as well. I looked through the peephole and the lady was sitting on the porch, sitting like some dog. I then yelled at her, telling her that I had a gun, that if she didn't leave, I would use it. She got up on her tiptoes and put her face right into the peephole on the other side. She then gave another terrifying grin. Her teeth were rotted. Honestly, this thing, this woman, she looked like she should be dead. I turned to Zoe, asking her to call 911, only taking my eyes from the peephole for a split second. And when I looked back, she was gone. My hands were trembling while I held the gun. It took me a few minutes just standing there at the door to calm down before the thought of holding a loaded weapon that I did not know how to use properly forced me to unload it and put it away exactly as I had found it. It was over, or at least I hoped it was. Nothing happened for the rest of that night. In the early morning, we walked in silence together back to Zoe's house. The next night, I was about to take a shower, but of course I was paranoid and creeped out at this point, and they had a window upstairs in the bathroom, one that happened to overlook that same road, and I could very plainly see the cemetery in the distance. It scared me so much to see it that I had to ask Zoe to sit on the toilet lid while I showered. I could really use the company. After what happened, she didn't want to be alone either, not even for a second, so she didn't have any problem accompanying me. I peered out of the curtain before stepping into the shower, making sure no one or nothing was outside and that the curtains were in a way that nothing could be peering in. But as I pulled the curtains open to check, I had to bite my lip not to scream. It was the same woman. I, I couldn't believe it, but before I could scream, Zoe screamed behind me. Apparently she was seeing what I was. The decaying woman smiled again before dipping her head below the window and just completely disappearing. We didn't even try to check if she was still out there. We backed away from the window, locked the bathroom door, and just held each other as we trembled for the next couple of hours. Once we gathered our courage, we exited the bathroom and locked both doors, checking the whole house for any signs of intruders. We seemed to be alone. We finished that night by curling up on the couch together, silently, watching TV that we weren't even paying attention to. But something did come up. It was a nine o'clock news report, a report about a grave robbery. The body of a woman had been dug up and ransacked. They even showed pictures of what the woman looked like when she was alive. And the moment I recognized that face and smile, I could barely breathe. It was the same woman, the same creature that had been tormenting us these past couple of nights. I decided to Google her name on my cell phone and come to find out she had died a few years back in a fire. This explained everything. This wasn't some menacing psycho of a homeless person or someone in costume trying to prank us or scare us. This was the angry, tormented spirit of a woman who died young a painful, painful death, only to have someone disturb her grave a few years later. If you're a narrator and how your story was featured in this video, feel free to contact us at podcastcreepaster.gmail.com if you want it to be removed. If not, then no worries. Anyway, 
I'll see you in the next podcast. Remember, keep it creepy past the podcast. And I'll see y'all later.